Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. The following podcast is taken from the Sword of the Spirit Bible Conference. This is the first morning session of Sunday the 15th of February 2009, entitled Picking Up the Shotgun by the Wrong End, and the Bible reading is taken from Matthew chapter 5, verses 23 and 24. Here's Brother Brian Beaver. Well, I'm glad to be back in England, and uh, I appreciate the opportunity to be here. I thank God for uh, for Bethel Free Baptist Church, and uh, what a tremendous uh, time. Uh, we feel a lot more refreshed than we do normally when we come. We could normally fly night time, and uh, we flew this time during the day, and it made a tremendous difference. Uh, the jet lag hadn't been quite as bad, and uh, and we're just uh, we're just delighted. It's good to see some of our friends all the way from across the other side of the water, and. Uh, but we praise the Lord for uh, Cherry's family being here. I thank God for them and, and all of you uh, being here. Thank God for Pastor Larry and his wife and his family uh, making us feel welcome in their home. And uh, there's not a lot of places that I could say I feel more at home at than I do here. And, and, but I can say that because uh, it's just like family to us. So uh, we want to be an encouragement to you this week. If there's anything we can do uh, other than the preaching, you let us know. We'll, be, we'll avail ourselves totally to you this week. All right, so uh, if you would please open your Bible to Matthew chapter number five, uh, I want to begin this week by just giving you just some few a few thoughts about revival and uh, some priorities, some things uh, a to do list, if you will, that we need to uh, we need to incorporate into our life in order to have a genuine refreshing from God. I think all of us really want to see God do something in our life. I hope you do. I do. I want to see God do something miraculous and and. Uh, I believe he is. I believe he's going to do something great uh, this week. And so I just hope and trust and pray that you'll be open and you'll be uh, receptive to what God has for you. So Matthew chapter number 5, I want you to look at verse 23. Now, I don't usually title Sunday school's uh, time, but I've entitled my message this morning, Picking Up a Shotgun by the Wrong End. Now, any of you know this, you know if you pick up a shotgun by the wrong end, you're liable to hurt yourself pretty bad. Now, you're not going to understand that title till we get to the end of the message, but I want to try to build up to it. But um, I want you to look at Matthew chapter number 5. I believe revival starts with first things. Uh, uh, this is a list of first things. And uh, as much as you've probably heard it before, it wouldn't, do us any, it wouldn't do us any bad to hear it again. And that is that God does not like leftovers. Now, there's a lot of things that are good leftover, all right? Uh, tea's not one of them. You don't leave tea sitting on the counter for four days and it tastes better on the fourth day than it did at first. That's not a good thing leftover. There are some good foods that are better even leftover than they are when you first make them. I think about, uh, I don't know if y'all have pinto beans in, 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 in England. They're, they're much better a week afterwards. And... Uh, uh, I mean, there's certain things that are good leftover, but listen, God doesn't want your leftovers. God wants your first, okay? So I want you to look at this. Matthew chapter number 5 and verse 23. Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and there rememberest that thy brother have ought against thee. Now, let me explain this. Let's say, for instance, this week, you uh, really, uh, God does something in your heart, and uh, you may not 
it may not be customary for you to come up front and, and, and pray at the altar, but you're right there sitting in your pew, and God spoke to your heart at the end of the service, and you begin to pray and say, God, I know this is the area I need to get right, and I'm submitting it to you, but bef- here's what it says. Before you bring your gift to the altar, before you get up and want to petition God about something that's in your life, and there before you bring that gift, you remember that your brother has ought against you. He, there's been a disagreement between you and maybe somebody else. Maybe your mom, teenager, and you. Okay? Maybe your workmate. Maybe your employer. Maybe there's an alt between you and your children, mom. Maybe there's a, an alt between husband and wife. Hello? And before you bring your gift to the altar, it says this. Look at verse 24. Leave there thy gift before the altar and go thy way. What's the next word? First. And be reconciled to thy brother and then come and offer thy gift. Now let me explain something. There's been a lot of times in my life where I've wanted God to so work in my heart. But you know what? He spoke to me and said, you know what, Brian? Before you can come with that petition, there's something you need to make right before you bring that petition to me. Let me give you an illustration. I just preached in West Virginia. Uh, West Virginia is a mountainous area. As a matter of fact, I don't think there's a piece of property in the state of West Virginia nor in the United States that is flat. It's all mountainous. But I was up in the mountains of West Virginia, and I was preaching, and a lady came to me on Saturday night. I did a banquet. And Brother Steve, she came to me, and she said, I want you to pray for my brother. He's lost. I mean, he, he needs Jesus Christ. He's lost. He needs to be saved. But then she said, I want you to also pray for my sister. Me and her had a disagreement, and she said this. She said about a babysitting job that we had a, five years ago. A lady came to both me and my sister and wanted a price for us to keep her child. I gave her a, a, a fairly reasonable price. Didn't realize that my sister gave her an astronomical price. Well, she picked me, and my sister's mad at me now. And she said, I want you to pray for her. I said, well, you know what? I'm going to be honest with you, ma'am. I said, really, before you can pray for your brother, I think you need to try to go make things right with your sister. Now, it may not have been your fault. Any of you ever done or not done something, and somebody's mad at you, and you're the one that has to initiate the reconciliation? And you go, why am I doing this? I didn't do anything wrong. Well, that's not the point. The point is, are you going to reconcile that relationship? And here's what God says. Before you go and petition God and bring your gift or bring that thing to God that you won't take and delivered from in your life, first be reconciled to your brother. Now, this lady, let me tell you what happened. Romani, on, on Sunday morning, she came to me, and I'm telling you, she looked like, and, and she... All you could see was her teeth. She was smiling so big. I mean, she was. She looked at me and she said, you're not going to believe what happened. She said, I went to my sister last night and I said, you know what? I, I'm sorry. I did not realize that this person came to you about that babysitting job and I would have never even given her a price if I'd have known she'd come to you because I would have not want there to be division between us, but there is, and I want you to forgive me. And she said, I want to offer you the position. Well, guess what? Long and short of it, after about an hour of talking, they hugged necks, they began to weep, and they got things right with one Have you ever gotten something right with somebody you ain't right with, man? It is just like a 100-pound a weight is lifted off your shoulders. Amen? This lady and her sister got right with God. Well, guess what? Andrew, I got a call 
just last week before I came here from the pastor of that church, me and him are good friends, and guess what he said, Steve? He said, you're not going to believe this. He said, that lady who had an alt against her sister went to her brother's house, had been millions and millions of times, but this time she went, she just got a little conversation going with him, and guess what? She led the man to Calvary. Her brother got saved. Now let me ask you something. Do you think her brother would have ever got saved if she had still had an alt against her sister? Or her sister had an alt against her? I doubt it. See, here's the, here's, the print, here's, the, here's the whole point. If you're going to have revival and a refreshing in your heart, first and foremost, there needs to be reconciling in your relationships in this world. Listen, everything in your life is made up of relationships. At work, in ho at home, in church, wherever it's at, you've got relationships. And you know what? A lot of times when people begin to know one another more intimately, uh, you know what? We see each other's uh, shortcomings and we're faults and all the warts we've got. Everybody's got them. Amen. Everybody's got them. And we start to see those things and we go, you know, that person ain't just exactly what I thought they were. Well, guess what? They're probably saying the same thing about you. And folks, if we're going to first of all see refreshing and a revival in our heart, number one, we need to have reconciliation in our relationships. Before you bring your gift to the altar and pray, and you remember that there's something between you and somebody on the face of this earth, you know what, I would pill in my head tonight, if I knew there was somebody that had all against me, I would call them on the phone and make every effort I could to try to make things right before I pill in my head tonight. I was leaving the nursing home last night, and Brother Peter looked at me, and he said, you know what? He said, boy, it's good to have a clear conscience. I said, you're right, Peter. I said, because a clear conscience makes a soft pillow. When you ain't right in your conscience, man, your pillow will be like a rock. You won't sleep good, and I'm here to tell you that God loves you so much that he wants you to be so right with him that if there is something in your life that's not right, he will pinpoint that thing and put his finger on it until you make sure that you get it right. So if we're going to have revival, number one, we've got to reconcile our relationships. But number two, I want you to look at Matthew chapter number six, just one chapter over. You know, any time the Lord says more, something more than one time, you ought to listen up. In Matthew chapter number six, we're going to look at a very familiar verse. Look at verse number 33. I hope by this time none of my, my accent doesn't uh, impede my preaching. If some of you need me to slow down, just go like this. Okay, I'll slow down. But uh, I've been here almost eight, well, eight, almost eight years now. And uh, some people say you step too fast for me, but I, I, I really have slowed down quite a bit. But uh, if, if it's bothering you, uh, we'll get an interpreter up here. And uh, they, no. But look, look at verse 33. Verse 33 says, but seek ye what? Now, 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 Jesus said, this is a sermon now. Jesus is preaching on the mountaintop. And he says, you know what? First, before you bring your gift to you, you ought to go be reconciled to your brother. Don't come to me because, see, folks, here's what we want. We want our relationship with God to be good without being right this way. See, you can't be right this way, Steve, unless you're right this way. See, there's all types of relationships in your life. And you know what? You need to make sure that it's not your choice that the relationship won't be reconciled. You need to make every effort you can to make sure that there's future restoration in relationships. But he says, before you, before you bring your gift, first be reconciled to your brother. Then he says, seek ye first the kingdom of God, his righteousness, and read it with me. It didn't say some, did it? All these things shall be added unto you. 
Now, I want you to say something for, with me in a minute. Go back to verse 25. A lot of times we say, God, I don't understand why you don't give me that car I want. I, 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 I'm trusting you for it. I want you to give it to me. You know what? Here's the problem. A lot of times our wants ain't God's wants. Now, what we need to do is we need to make our needs God's needs. And the problem is, and I said this Wednesday night, isn't it amazing that the more sometimes people have, the more they complain. And most of the time, the people that have less don't complain at all. I think it bears to, to notice that, you know, there's something about this temporal life we live in that we put too much stock and too much value in the things that are going to fade away one day and just melt away. Listen, folks, everything we use today, our cars, our clothing, our, our, our calories, uh, our food, everything that we're using is nothing more than fuel for the judgment. Amen? So don't put a lot of value and stock into this life. Listen, Jesus said, if any man come after me, let him deny himself Take up his cross daily and follow me. Didn't say follow your own agenda. Didn't say follow what you think your boss wants you to do. Didn't say follow what you want to do in your life. He said follow me. But he says before, listen, seek ye first the kingdom of God. Look at verse 25. Jesus said, therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life. Now, most of you know this. The words take no thoughts, one word in the Greek. It's a transliteration. It literally means, it's the Greek word amaremnos. It means don't worry. Now, most of you in this room, I don't have to look at you for long before I know that everybody in here, by looking at me, is worried one time or another in their life. Because you're looking at me like, oh, boy, he's done went from preaching to meddling. He's, got, he's getting a little bit too deep. See, we all worry. But see, you know what I found out about worrying? Look at me. I know what I found out about worrying. Worrying is sin. Sorry, Lord. I've done it. I don't know if you've sinned, but I have. And I'm just telling you, we are all worrywarts at one time or another. Now, you know what I've asked myself sometimes? What's the difference between worry and concern? You know what the difference is? The difference is worry is concern out of control. And what we need to do is we need to cast all our cares upon him, for he cares for us. The Bible says, take no thought. Don't worry. Don't worry about what? Well, look at it. Jesus said, don't take no thought for your life. What you eat, what you drink, nor yet for your body what you put on. Now, let me ask you something. What does that entail? That entails our food, that entails our beverages, and it entails our clothing. Now, in context, when Jesus said, seek ye first the kingdom of God, his righteousness, all these things shall be added unto you. Guess what he's meaning? If you'll seek my kingdom first, you'll never want for food. You'll never want for shelter. You'll never want for clothing. I'm going to be quite honest with you in here. All of us look pretty decently dressed this morning. I don't think we've missed many meals. I'm not picking on anybody, all right? We ain't missed many meals. And you know what? We had a roof over our head last night. We had warmth. And God says, don't worry about these things. Let, let, let me read on. Look at verse 26. Behold the fowls of the air. Behold the birds of the air. For they toil not, neither do they reap nor gather into barns. He said, yet your heavenly Father hath, listen, your heavenly Father feedeth them. He said, are you not much better than they? Let me ask you something. We would consider a sparrow 
a very insignificant bird. I don't think people are going down to Tesco's and beating down the doors buying sparrows. They're buying chicken, buying beef and pork. Nobody wants a sparrow. You know, give me five sparrows and a loaf of bread. Nobody's wanting a sparrow to eat. We would consider a sparrow an insignificant bird. But guess what the Scott songwriter said? If his eye is on the sparrow, I know he's watching me. Do you know it says right here that a bird does not fly off, gather a bunch of crumbs, gather up a bunch of food, go and build a barn, stick it in there for next winter? You know why? Because it don't have to worry about it. God feeds that bird every single day. By the way, a sparrow can eat 10 times its body weight every single day. A sparrow weighs about six ounces. Insignificant bird. You ever felt like a sparrow? Insignificant. I don't feel like I'm much enough to God. Let me tell you something. If God loves a sparrow so much to feed him and meet his needs every single day, he loves you much more than that sparrow. And you know what? We worry about stuff we ought not be worrying about. You're welcome. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, his righteousness. Turn to Matthew, I mean, excuse me, Proverbs chapter number 3, look at verse number 9. I want to show you something. Proverbs chapter number 3 and verse number 9. You know what I'm convinced of? I'm convinced that life is made up of 10% of what happens to us and 90% of how we react to it. Can I say that again? I believe life consists of 10% of what happens to us, but 90% of how we react to what happens to us. Listen, folks, it ain't a biblical principle, but you could be hard, you'd be hard-pressed to disregard it or not, or say you can't defend it from the Bible. Attitude is everything. Attitude's everything. Now, that ain't a Bible verse. But you know what? The way you, listen, the way you approach a difficulty in your life, the youth conference this year, little did I know what I'd go through in the last three months. But when I picked my topic, God said, okay, I'm going to put you in the storm. And the title of this, this year's conference is Victory in the Storms. What do you do when you feel like you're on board the boat of your life and it's rocking back and forth and you feel like it's getting ready to go under? I'm here to tell you that God, if it does go under, God will make a Holy Ghost submarine out of it and bring it up to shore. I'm here to tell you this. God says, don't worry. He said, seek my kingdom. What does it say? First. Listen, folks, if we're going to see revival in our hearts, not just in the church, but in our individual lives. Number one, we need to reconcile our relationships. Number two, we need to re- reevaluate our priorities. Look at Proverbs chapter number three and verse number nine. Proverbs chapter number three. Look at verse number nine. It says, Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits. Hello? First fruits of all thine increase. Let me tell you a story. I had a guy come to me. And some of you will be uh, uh, familiar with this. Um, had a guy come to me, I guess about a year ago, told me a story about his sister. This guy's an evangelist. His sister's an elderly lady. She's about uh, 10, 15 years older than he is. She's an elderly lady. She was retired. She didn't have anything to do. She said, you know what? I've been so burdened to give to missions. I want to give to missions, and I want to give to missions. So, so what she did was she said, I want to give $1,000 this year to missions. She lived on Social Security. I don't know if y'all in this country, what it's called, but Social Security is a very minimal amount of money. She was living on Social Security and probably making about $900 a month. She said, I want to give 
dollars to missions. The only real trade she ever had was sewing. She took a sewing machine she had. She began to sew up some clothing and asked people in the church if they had need of clothing that she wouldn't charge a price, but she would take every penny that she got in for the clothing that she made them and she would give to missions. Guess what she gave the first year? $2,500. Three years later, she said, Lord, she got down on her face and she said, Lord, I want to honor you with everything that I've got and I want this year. Now, hold on. See, I believe we far too long tried to attempt great things for God and I think God says, I want you to attempt some possible things impossible things for me she got down on her face and said this brother she said i god want you to give me i want to give to missions you give me the money i'll give it to missions she said i want you to give me a hundred thousand dollars this year to give to missions on a nine hundred dollar a month salary now you say how in the world did god do that god did it you want me to know how you want to know how he did it this lady began to sew some uniforms together there is a network of schools in the area where she lives, ACE schools, that got together and said, man, that lady's got a talent. They gave her a contract to put together the uniforms, Pastor Larry, for their school system, and they said the contract would be in excess of $150,000. She gave every single penny to missions. But you know why I think God blessed her? It's because the scripture says, honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase. The first fruits. Turn to Genesis chapter number 4 very quickly. Genesis chapter number 4. I want you to look at something. Genesis chapter number 4. You know the story well. Genesis chapter number 4. Look at verse number 1. And Adam knew Eve, you know what that means, his wife. And she conceived and bare Cain and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. And she again bare his uh, brother Abel. And Abel was a keeper of sheep and Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought of a fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And Abel, he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof, and the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering, but unto Cain and to his offering he had no respect, and Cain was very wroth or angry, and his countenance fell. Now look up at me. I've asked myself many times, why did God disregard Cain's offering, but he loved Abel's? And I believe the reason why is because we look at it here. I want you to look at verse 3 again. It says, and in the process of time. Now, the words process of time literally mean this. If you never grew up on a farm where, we, where, where you gather up crops, uh, the, the words process of times means literally in the English language, it means like the third pickings. I don't know if you've ever went out and looked beans or went out to pick corn, and what you do is they used to, they used to get the best corn, and then they would throw the other corn to the side, and that's what it means by gleaning. You glean off the edges what they had thrown away, and you know what? That's nothing bad about that. But here's the problem. Cain, in the process of time, brought an offering of the fruit of the ground of the Lord. In other words, what Cain did was he went out and he took the best for himself, but on the third pickings, the stuff that nobody else wanted, he brought that to God and offered that as an offering of fruit. He said God wasn't pleased with that. 
You don't know why? Because Abel's offering was a pleasant one to God because look at it. Verse number four. Abel, he also brought of the what? The firstlings of his flock. In other words, you know what Abel did? Abel took the very best lamb. He took the very best sacrifice and presented it to God. Let me tell you something, folks. God can't stand leftovers. He hates them. He can't stand them. It makes him sick to his stomach. And listen, folks, if we're going to see God do something in our heart, number one, we've got to, re- listen, we've got to reconcile our, we've got to reconcile our relationships. Before you bring your gift to the altar, first be reconciled to your brother. But the second one is this. We need to reevaluate our priorities. You know what? Have you ever sat back and taken an honest inventory of your heart and said, Lord, is what's important to you important to me? Because there's just two choices on the shelf. Pleasing God or pleasing self. Have you ever got to the point to where you say, God, I want you to make what your priority is my priority. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. So I think we need to reconcile our relationships. I think we need to reevaluate our priorities. But the third one, I want you to turn back to Matthew chapter number 7. Matthew chapter number 7, and I'll be done. I know y'all have heard that a lot while I've been here. In conclusion, don't mean nothing to me. That just means five more, five more points. Matthew chapter number 7, look at verse number 1. Now here is one of the most frequently used verses of people who don't even know the Bible, who don't even read the Bible, but yet this is what they use, brother. Judge not, lest he be judged. You ever had somebody come up and you try to help them? Uh, you don't not judge me. Well, you know what? There's a paradox to this, 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 this verse. This verse has a paradox. You want to know what it is? There is a point to where we are to judge. Now, I'm not meaning criticism. I'm not meaning a hypocritical spirit. I mean, and there, means, there needs to be a point in our life as a Christian where we have some discernment and test things, try things to see if they are of God or if they are not, are not of God. Look at what it says. Judge not that you be not judged. For with, the, for with what judgment you judge you shall be judged, and with what measure you meet, it shall be measured to you again. In other words, whatever measuring stick you're going to use on somebody else, guess what? You might pick up a shotgun by the wrong end. That's what I'm trying to say. There's a lot of people that pick up a shotgun by the wrong end, and if they're not careful, what they're criticizing somebody about is going to shoot them right in the belly. And why beholdest thou? Now look at this. I love Jesus, one of the great, greatest preachers in all the world. Jesus could absolutely get right to the meat of the message. He didn't cut no corners. He went right and cut right to the chase. Look at what Jesus said. Now who's he talking to right here? Well, there's a great multitude of people, but by and large, he's gone from talking to his disciples, the followers of Christ, to now he's talking to the Pharisees. He's talking to those that were critical of those who didn't keep the law. Aren't you glad you're saved by the grace of God? There ain't nothing wrong with the law. The law's good and pure and just. But I'm here to tell you, it is nothing more than a schoolmaster to lead us to Christ. To help us to know our wicked, frail state that we can't do it, but he can. And Jesus says, why do you behold, look at it, the moat that is in thy brother's eye, 
but considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye. Now let me explain what a mote and a beam is. In builder's terms, a mote is a speck of sawdust. Little bitty splinter of wood. But a beam is literally what it means. It's like a building beam. He said, you know what? You put on your spiritual spectacles, Pharisees, and you start looking at everybody else's little speck of sawdust in their eye, but the whole time you don't realize you got a log sticking out your own. And look at verse 4. And how will thou say to thy brother, let me pull out the speck of sawdust out of thine eye, and behold, a beam is in thine own eye. You ever think about looking at this picture? Here's a guy that's got a building beam sticking out of his eye. And he said, well, let me get the doom. Let me get that the doom. Let me get that piece of salt doom out of your eye. He can't even get to the other person's eye. Look at what Jesus said about him. Thou hypocrite. Hypocrite. What's the next word? First. Now look at me. If we're going to have a genuine moving of God in this meeting this week, number one, we need to reconcile our relationships. If there's somebody you're not right with or somebody you know that's not right with you, I'd make every effort I could to get right with them before the sun went down tonight. I'd make a phone call. I'd text them. I'd get on Facebook, whatever I had to do, and say, look, I'm sorry. You may not have been the one that was at fault, but that's not the point. Are you willing to make things right? Reconcile with your brother. Reconcile with your sister, with your mom, your dad, your sister, your brother. Reconcile your relationships. And then reevaluate your priorities. What's important to you? Is it important to God? Is it just getting that paycheck so you can make it by this week? Have just enough gas to put in my car. I remember when I was 17, that was my only, my only concern in life, Pastor Larry. You know you the same as I was. We love cars. Man, if I can just get enough money so I can go cruising on Friday night. Y'all don't have that in this country. I mean, it, you know, I live 25 minutes from the closest grocery store where I'm at. I mean, we got, I mean, you just don't take a train or a subway to the grocery store where I'm at. You got to drive 25 minutes to get in the nearest place to buy bread and milk. Got to reevaluate our priorities. We got to reconcile our relationships, reevaluate our priorities. But number three, if we're going to have revival, we got to stop pointing the finger at everybody else. And we need to recognize our own shortcomings. He says, you hypocrite. You got a building beam in your eye. You trying to take out a speck of sawdust out of your brother's eye. Why can't you look in the mirror and stop picking up a shotgun by the wrong end? It's going to shoot you. You know, I love these people. We, I, well, I got about three minutes. I was pastoring the church I was at. Of course, most of you know by now I resigned. I, I, I'm back in full-time evangelism. I just believe that's what God wants me to do. And uh, I heard a preacher say one time, one of the preachers from this country, C.H. Spurgeon, said, if you've been called to be a preacher, don't stoop to be a king. <laughs> one of the most important callings on your life is to be a servant of the Most High God. You're a Christian. That is a, listen, that is a title of dignity. It is a title of royalty. We're children of the Most High God, and we ought to live like it. That don't mean that we're better than everybody else. Listen, Jesus right here was saying, don't judge because the same judgment you use, you're going to be judged by it. Do you know what? In John chapter 7, Jesus made these, these words. He said, he said this statement. He said, 
judge not according to appearance, but judge righteous judgment. You know what that tells me, Brother Steve? In context, in, in that passage of Scripture, Jesus also makes this statement. He goes down through a list about false teachers and their, their wolves in sheep's clothing. And then he says this. He says, and by their fruits you shall know them. You know what I've heard a lot of people say? You know what? By their fruits you shall know a lost person. You know what? That In context, that verse of Scripture ain't even talking about lost people. It's talking about Pharisees, false teachers. He said, by their fruits you'll know them. But then he goes on to say, you know what? Don't judge according to appearance. You know what? A book, though it may have a beautiful covering, inside may be full of nothing. It may not have any substance to it whatsoever. But the cover looks great. Don't judge a book by its cover. Don't judge according to what you see. Do some evaluating. Do some research before you get critical or hypercritical about another brother who may be doing something that you don't think's right with God. The phone's ringing. Pick it up. I'm here to tell you that a lot of times we've got a lot of people in our churches that are hypercritical. Give you a perfect example. People were critical of my family because we liked and we wanted to incorporate praise music choruses in our services. And they thought we were going to take the church into ecumenicism. Oh, you're getting too contemporary. You're going to take the church. Listen, my heart is to see God grow His church. And you know what? I wanted to do everything I could to expand our and broaden our horizons to see God do something. But guess what? Those same people that were critical of me, we found out, guess what? On Friday night and Saturday night, they's going down to the country and western bar and line dancing and getting drunk but yet we were wrong for wanting to sing, My Know My Redeemer Lives. Hello. Wait, wait a minute. Something's wrong with that picture. You know what it is? It's looking at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye when you don't even see the beam in your own. Now, folks, I'm here to tell you, if we're going to see God do a refreshing in our hearts, we need to reconcile our relationships. We need to reevaluate our priorities. Make sure what's important to God is important to you. But thirdly, we need to recognize our shortcomings. You know what David did not do? King David didn't do this. When he committed adultery with Bathsheba, Steve, he didn't go back and say, you know what, I'm king. Well, he did it first. But when he got right with God, after the fact that he'd committed adultery, he didn't go, you know what, it's somebody else's fault. Well, I was just weak and this brother, she shouldn't have been there when... No, he didn't do that. You know what he said? He said, it's not Michael's fault. He said, it's not my wife's fault. It's not Saul's fault. He said, Lord, it, against thee and thee only have I sinned. He didn't try to blame his sin on somebody else. He didn't try to blame his shortcomings on somebody else. You know what? You need to get to the point in your life where you realize that God is all you need. All you need. And when you realize that, you can reconcile relationships, I promise you, because you know what? You're going to realize that this ain't about me. This is bigger than me. Reconcile your relationships. Reevaluate your priorities. And recognize your shortcomings. You know, at the end of David's life, at the end of David's life, God honored him, blessed him. But you know what? He had shortcomings. Hey, guess what? Moses did too. Guess what? Abraham did. Thank God our Savior didn't. You know what? That's why we needed a spotless, sinless lamb.
Isn't it amazing the line of the tribe of Judah is still called the Lamb of God? The Ancient of Days is still called the Bright and Morning Star. He's new every day. Hey, listen, you ever thought about why the Bible calls it new grace? It's because the grace you get today is not the same as what you needed yesterday. It's new every day. Great is our faithfulness. If we're going to see God do something in our heart, listen to me, Mama. Listen to me, Dad. Teenager, I want you to listen to me. Young person, 16 to 30 years of age, coming to Young Adult Conference, I'm here to tell you that God is sufficient enough to supply your need. And He's one. Listen, He wants to give you back everything plus bonuses that the devil arrested away from us in the Garden of Eden. And all he wants us to do is make sure our relationships are reconciled. Make sure what's important to him is important to us. Reevaluate our priorities. And number three, he wants to make sure that we recognize without him. I'll start the verse, you finish it. Jesus said, without me, ye can do. Say it again. Let's pray. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you so much for the opportunity to be at Bethel Free Baptist Church. There is nowhere else I would want to be this week than right here. God, I pray that you'd use me in spite of myself. God, I pray that you'd speak to people. And Lord, that you would change hearts and help us to leave this place today saying, man, it has been good to be with God's people in God's house. Lord, we'll love you and we'll praise you. But Lord, we need to put you first. I think about the words that Jesus said. He said, why, disciples, do you call me Lord, Lord, and you don't do the things that I say? God, help us to make what's your priority our priority, and we'll thank you and praise you for we ask it in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. God bless you.